On today's episode, we're going to be talking about two of the biggest reasons why many people refuse to become Christians on Soul Zero Two. And welcome to Soul Zero Two. This is the podcast that is putting the oxygen back into the Christian life one soul at a time. So glad to be with you today. And through the years, I've often come across these questions, you know, of, I'm a Christian, I, I refuse to be a Christian because, or I'm not a Christian because, and then you hear the argument. I've heard it uh, at, at the oddest places, I've heard it at the most normal places, I've heard it at church, I've heard it in funerals, I've heard it at parties and get-togethers, and uh, often when people kind of say it, uh, some of them say it with anger or bitterness, others say it sarcastically or um, uh, kind of like uh, just you know, in a way that is that is maybe disrespectful, let's say, right? Uh, but what I want to talk today about is is two main reasons, and there are many reasons why, but the, the two that I've seen the past 40 years in my life of, of why people say, you know, I'm not a Christian because, they'll say, right? And, and uh, the, the first one is, is and you're going to know this one when you see it, but the first one is this. Christians are hypocrites. Have you ever heard of that one? That's a big one, isn't it? Christians are hypocrites. And I've heard that my whole life, even as a kid growing up. I've heard that, well, all, all Christians are hypocrites. That's why I won't go to church and I won't do A, B, and C. And that is a valid argument, isn't it? It's real. It's It, it makes sense. Obviously, you know hypocrites. I know hypocrites. Um, however, uh, when you think about it, though, that Christians are hypocrites, does that mean that if you're not a Christian, you're not a hypocrite. And don't all of us espouse values that we don't always attain to? Don't all of us make promises we don't always keep? Don't all of us have two faces at times? And Mark Twain once said, we are all like the moon. We have a dark side we don't want anyone to see. And that is so true, isn't it? That we, we in a sense, are... Um, are there's a part of us that is very visible in public, but there's another part of us that is not. And when that part gets seen, it often is hypocritical, right? We are seen as hypocrites. But here's the point. It's a weak argument. Why? Because we're all hypocrites. We've all made promises we didn't keep. We've all at some point said something and then done the other. We've, we've all maybe promised something and then did the opposite of what we promised. And... The point is, is that Christian unfaithfulness doesn't annul God's faithfulness. Just because I'm unfaithful or, or someone down the street is unfaithful to God doesn't mean that God is not faithful. So to say, well, I won't serve God because Christians are hypocrites, well, that it doesn't work, right? So we've all at one time or another been hypocritical in the way that we live, in the things that we do. But also... Here's another reason. It devalues the authentic. When we, when we blame the whole hypocrite argument and say, well, I won't go to church because there are hypocrites there, or I don't serve God because there's hypocrites. Um, uh, W.E. Bayadwolf said this, just because you find a counterfeit, counterfeit dollar doesn't mean that you open your wallet and throw away all your real cash after you see the counterfeit dollar. So, this, this kind of shows what I mean by it's a weak argument, right? Just because someone gave you a zirconia 
ring doesn't mean that you throw away all your real diamonds. Why? Because you can't throw away what is what is valuable just because you, you see what, what's not valuable. And just because there are bad ministers doesn't mean that I stop being a minister. There are plenty of bad ministers. And in fact, if have you noticed in the news, there's an incredible focus on when a minister falls into sin or does something hypocritical or makes a big mistake. They make a big to-do and say, well, that's why I don't go to church. And th that is a very weak argument. But another argument, and it's a big one, and it's one that is serious, and it's, it's not a weak argument. It's actually a very good argument. And if I were an atheist, this would be the first argument I'd probably go for right here. But the other argument is simply this. How, how can a God who is all-powerful allow suffering in the world? And that is such a valid argument. And, and to show how valid it is, th think about that two-thirds of the Psalms are devoted to, to lament. Um, just about two-thirds two of the Psalms. In other words, God is saying, I, I'm inviting you to engage your pain and protest about your pain because yes, there is something terribly wrong with the world. And uh, Jürgen Moltmann said that every Christian theology is con consciously or unconsciously answering the question, why hast thou forsaken me? But don't we all go through this at some point where we, we may not even word it this way, but we feel it in our hearts. We feel, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did you allow this pain, this loss? I prayed so hard. I, I, I did everything right. And, and still, the person I love passed away. Or this tragedy happened that I didn't ask for. And I see criminals and evil people and terrible people prospering and enjoying health and blessing. And look at me. And so this is a valid, valid question. And it's a valid reason why many people become angry at God. And... One of the most powerful questions in human, in, in, in theology, right, in, in the way the world works, is the problem of suffering. And it is perhaps the most challenging uh, because suffering does not discriminate, right? It, it can occur on a cosmic scale as well as on a personal level. And the face of suffering can be seen as a massive scale, on a massive scale, uh, such as what, what, what Stalin did in the forced famine of 1932 to 1933, where, where 7 million people died. Cosmic suffering can also be seen in, in the Holocaust in 1936-45, 6 million deaths. In 2004, a tsunami caused 280,000 deaths in 14 countries. I mean, th these, are, these are things that, it's no wonder why, why some people get angry at, if God is powerful, why didn't he stop that thing, right? And so, and what are the countless, countless stories of personal suffering from Job, the godly man Job sitting on ashes, to Corrie ten Boom, the, the, the famous uh, uh, Jew who, who uh, was, was uh, interned at Ravenstock Detention Center during World War II and tortured and, and, and abused. What are the injustices, the famines, the political instabilities, and the, the poverty, and, and all the ravages of the world? This is truly a valid argument, and God does not shy away from it. I, I love the fact that in the scriptures, God does not hide the price tags. He, he, never, he never hides the ugliness of what's happening in the world. In fact, he says, you know what? I'm going to enter into that with you. I'm going to feel what you're feeling. And what do I mean by that? 
Um, but first, let me let me deal with this here. Uh, what happens when these questions linger, right? Because we do have these questions. And Tim Keller talked about the idea of, of what happens when we don't get answers we're looking for uh, based on the pain we have or the loss or the tragedy, right? Um, he says, when no explanation at all is given, when suffering is is perceived as simply senseless, a complete waste and, and inescapable, uh, it is a complete waste and inescapable, victims can develop a deep underlying anger and poisonous hate that was called resentment by Friedrich Nietzsche, not to be confused with resentment. Resentment is a little deeper because it's almost this incurable, uh, persistent feeling of hatred and despising, which which happens uh, in certain individuals or groups where it, it's just so deep that it's almost impossible to get out. And there can be people that maybe silently they are experiencing this kind of, of pain and and suffering. And uh, so so think about it again, right? Right. Th- think think about that question again. Um, how can God hold who is all powerful? allow suffering in the world. Think about that for a minute, right? And you'll find that that is a fair question. and But there are no simple answers to it. I've done many, many funerals, probably hundreds through the years, and and I've been asked that question at times with, with bitter people, with angry people. I've done funerals for, for children, for people who burned in a fire, just terrible, terrible kinds of funerals. And, and you see, you can see people wrestling over these questions of feeling abandoned by God, who has all the power, but who chose to do nothing. But there's no simple answers. We never try to answer those kinds of questions, especially during times of suffering, because no answer will ever make sense. But we can start with another question or another comment, maybe, that the world as we know it is broken. It has been broken since, since Adam and Eve sinned and broke the world in a spiritual sense, and ravage the world. and But on the other hand, God sent Christ to bring change and transformation. And so God chose to experience the full gamut of human suffering at the cross. This is what I mean by God entered into our suffering. And God is not just way up there just watching us with cold attachment uh, when when we suffer. He, he's, he feels what we feel. He is touched, the Bible says, by our infirmities. And that's, that's the comforting part of it, that, that no, there's no easy answer, but yes, God cares, and God feels the pain that you and I feel. And so why should tragedy and suffering keep you or me from the one who experienced the totality of human suffering on the cross, Jesus? Why should that keep us? Why should that be the, you know, the cross I'm going to die on, so to speak, as an argument? And and so I want to challenge you that if you're the kind of person today that maybe has said that in the past, that, you know, I, I won't I don't believe in God or won't serve God because of suffering in the world, I want to challenge you on that, that God is not afraid of your question. And if you're the kind of person that talked about, you know, Christians or hypocrites, so I won't go to church or whatever, well, I want to challenge you on that especially, because it's not a good argument. It's a weak argument, actually. And we we all have been hypocritical at times. And we've all done things that are stupid and we have to repent about later and thank God He forgives us. And because He forgives us, we need to forgive each other and forgive other people that that maybe are falling short of the standard that maybe we believe 
they should have. So if you find this podcast a blessing, if, if it has value to your life, please leave a comment and uh, join our YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe to it and check out our website. You'll find some, some good stuff on there. So until next time, so glad to be with you. God bless. Mm-hmm.